0: Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Mary Joe. Today is the 14th of January of 2022 for Historical Context. And I have a pretty exciting article. Well, exciting for me because I'm pretty nerdy, but you're listening to this podcast, so you're nerdy too. But this article was published yesterday and it's free for you to download in the Annals of Intensive Care. And it's about how many days should somebody be on mechanical ventilation prior to making the phone call for VV ECMO in patients with COVID-19. From a historical perspective, and the way I was trained, and and it's just just the way that many of us decide whether to cannulate a patient for ECMO or not, one of the things that we look at is how many days was the patient on mechanical ventilation prior to be prior to being placed on ECMO. And the reason why is because prior to these data that I'm going to share with you today. Um, After seven days, the mortality kind of skyrockets, and therefore, the utilization of resources and things of that nature, it kind of doesn't make sense to put somebody on VV ECMO once they've been on the ventilator for seven days or more. So if you're somebody who is calling a referring center or whatnot for VV ECMO, they'll ask you how many days the patient's been on the ventilator, and generally speaking, if it's been seven days or more, they'll tell you, no, this patient's not a candidate but the reason why I'm sharing this with you today is because um, now we have data that show that this could be up to 10 days. And again, I definitely recommend you read these data for yourself as this is not um, as this is not medical advice. And um, obviously, since this was published yesterday, not many places are going to know about it, which is the reason why I'm trying to give you the ammunition so you can, you know, if you have to call the referral center or whatnot, you can say, hey, by the way, now we have data that you could be on mechanical ventilation for 10 days, and the outcomes are still going to be, you know, not fantastic, of course, but they could be better than the 100% mortality or so that we once thought. So again, this article was published yesterday in Intensive, Annals of Intensive Care by Herman and all the, uh, their colleagues. So I would definitely recommend you read it for yourself. But what they stated with regards to what I was mentioning of when to initiate ECMO, they state that, quote, ECMO initiation within seven days following intubation is considered optimal as longer pre-ECMO invasive mechanical ventilation durations increase mortality in general ARDS populations, end quote. So therefore, this has been my practice during the pandemic when it comes to referring patients out. Currently, even though I did train at an ECMO center, I do not work at an ECMO facility right now well it's time to kind of throw that criteria out the window. So what Herman and colleagues did is that they looked at 101 patients retrospectively over the period of a year and a half in Austria, or Vienna you know, specifically in Austria. And what the team did is that they crunched a ton of numbers and criteria trying to tease out a number of parameters to find out what could cause harm or what could cause benefit to the patients. To be completely frank, and this is pretty impressive in their patient, in their paper, excuse me is that their demographic data as well as all their ventilation parameters which is table one and table two on the article it has a ton of detail that you could tease a bunch of goodies out from it that i recommend that you read for yourself of the 101 patients 60 of them survived their course of ecmo which is pretty good more than 50 percent the median length of stay and this is something you need to consider in you know if you ever talk to somebody for putting them on ecmo or whatnot is that it's going to be a marathon more so than a sprint so the median length of stay in the ICU was 41 days in ICU survivors. This means that you really have to commit to the course. The other thing that could be teased out of here is that of the 60 survivors, 12 of them ended up needing lung transplants. So if you're going to cannulate these people, put them on VV ECMO, you really need to have an exit strategy as to you know how like how you're going to eventually get them off. Some of these patients get better, but some of them need lung transplants. If you don't have a good relationship With a lung transplant facility, or if you don't have one in house, this is going to be quite challenging. Uh, Honestly, I could keep on going on and on about the other details that could be teased out of this paper, but for the sake of everybody's time, I'm gonna just omit that right now. But the whole point of this is that when they compared the outcomes of the patients who were on the vent for less than seven days versus those who were on the vent for 10 days or less, there was no difference in mortality. Now, you might say, okay, what about 14 days? What about 21 days? And honestly, they did not extend these data out further than 10 days from what I'm seeing. So, all you can say is, hey, maybe the cutoff, instead of being seven days, should be 10 days for patients who require VV ECMO for the sake of ARDS from COVID 19. As an aside, I just wanted to mention that ECMO is not a benign therapy. There are complications that Happen when a patient is on ECMO, whether it 's BV or v b or excuse me or b a and if you look at the supplementary in table s uh, six they actually mention what some of these uh, adverse effects are, and a significant number of patients um, let me just do some math twenty patients out of the one hundred had unspecified bleeding, uh, six patients out of the one hundred and one had GI bleeds. 23 patients out of the 101 had ECMO bleeding and you know patients had intracranial bleeding eight patients out of the 101 had this hemothorax pericardial fusion Uh, one patient had an ischemic stroke so ECMO is not a benign process and when you're discussing with families what are the possible complications you know these things should be specified to be fully transparent and let them know what the risks of all this was, of all this is. So, I guess this will be a shorter podcast today because I just wanted to quickly mention these things to you all. And again, don't expect the ECMO centers or anybody to know about this just yet because it came out yesterday. The other thing is that there are some limitations to this paper you know, for example, it's looking at 101 patients. It's an observational study. It's a retrospective study. It's a single center study. At least I think it's a single center, but I know it only took place in Austria and Vienna to be specific. So that includes some limitations to all of this. The other thing is that there are inherent limitations to ECMO in general, that there are not that many machines available. And during this pandemic, we've learned pretty quickly that there aren't enough resources to go around for everybody who actually needs ECMO. So that makes things a little bit more complicated for us all. But nonetheless, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I appreciate your support. If you could take the time to give me a five-star review, if you're listening to this on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I'd greatly appreciate it as it helps this content reach more people and it allows this podcast to grow. Thanks and have a great day. Bye.